Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Good morning. As Ian mentioned, we're starting a new sermon series today. And the reason that we do sermon series is we'll take, we usually like to take between four and 12 weeks to like camp on, on a, a passage of Scripture. An idea. The reason we do that is, is mul- there's multiple reasons we do that. One, because a lot of us just come to church every so often, right? We might miss a couple weeks, and then we come back. And, and sometimes it's helpful to have some continuity in the Scripture that we're reading together, but also we're trying to mine that passage, right? Or we're trying to mine that idea, that scriptural, that scriptural principle and truth. We're starting a new sermon series today called tables where we're going to be journeying with Jesus through Luke's gospel and we're going to look at 10 different tables that Jesus sits at in the gospel of Luke and each one of those tables is unique it's different it teaches us each one of them is going to teach us something about who Jesus is and our mission statement at church at the well is as we just talked about in our announcements is, is to be with Jesus to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. We spent much of the time this past year exploring the first one, how to be with Jesus. And specifically, we looked at five places where we're guaranteed to be with Jesus, where Jesus promises in Scripture to meet with us, and that's we can be with Jesus in Scripture, where we're guaranteed to meet with Jesus among the church gathered. We're guaranteed to, to be with Jesus in prayer. We're guaranteed to, to meet with Jesus among the least of these, right? And we're guaranteed to be with Jesus in Sabbath. And if we want to be apprentices of Jesus, if we want to be disciples of Jesus, if we want to be followers of Jesus, we have to be with him, right? You can't follow somebody who you're not with. You can't be an apprentice of somebody, a disciple, if, if you're not first with. But here's the thing. Being with Jesus is not enough all by itself, to make us apprentices, disciples, and followers of Jesus. Uh, If we want to be apprentices of Jesus, yes, we have to be with him, but we also have to learn how to become like him and how to do what he did. Uh, When we read the Gospels, we find people who were with Jesus that never yielded to him. That, that never allowed themselves to be transformed by him. And I read a tweet by a, a pastor who, who I follow on Twitter. It's no longer Twitter, but I will forever call it Twitter. And Pastor Rich Velotis said this about people who were with Jesus but were never transformed by him. He says, on Holy Wednesday, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Judas had been with Jesus for three years as one of his 12 disciples. It's a painful, tragic event containing so many lessons. Here's one of them. Being around Jesus doesn't automatically mean we're being formed by Jesus. Right? Amen? See, being with Jesus is an essential part of becoming a follower of Jesus, but it doesn't get us all the way there. Right? We have to yield to him. We have to make him the Lord of our lives, and and we have to learn his ways. It's one thing to be with Jesus. It's an entirely different thing to become like him, 
right, to learn how to do what he did. And becoming like Jesus is a pretty tall order, right? Can I make a confession? I have been in occupational ministry as a pastor for 28 years, and I still don't think I've lived a single day like Jesus. I came close one day, but it was because I was sick and I slept for 18 hours. (laughs) I was really close that day. But I've never done that because Jesus was sinless. right? He was selfless. He's perfect in every way. We're none of those things. And fortunately, we don't, we don't have to be, right? Because through the work of Christ on the cross and through his resurrection, we don't have to rely on our own attempt at righteousness. We can put our faith and trust in Jesus' righteousness. But that being said, God is still deeply committed to forming us and shaping us into the image of Christ, right? And that's something I want to learn. I want to learn how to be more like Jesus. I'm guessing you do too, or you probably wouldn't be here this morning. Um, so the question is, how do we go about that? How do we do that? How do we become more like Jesus? Well, that's a question that, that we're going to lean into over the next calendar year. And we're going to start that by taking the next 10 Sundays to sit with Jesus at these 10 tables in Luke's gospel. Because in, in order to become like Jesus, we, we first have to discover who he is. Right? Last Sunday, our friend Joe Gavin was sharing and he was sharing a story about how he had an interaction with a student on campus. And he had asked that student, what do you think about God? And, and the student told him, I'm an atheist. I, I, I don't think very much about God. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he's good at all. And then Joe shared how he followed that up with a different question. What do you think about Jesus? And the student said, oh, Jesus is amazing. <laughs> he he fed people, he helped the poor, he healed the sick. He he was wonderful. And then Joe followed that up with another question with the student, what if God looks exactly like Jesus? And then it opened up this amazing conversation that they had. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us this, that Jesus is the express image of God. That if we want to know what God is like, We just have to look at Jesus. That Jesus is God's one and only self-portrait. The book of Hebrews chapter 1, let me read this for you. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And look at this, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, if we want to find out who God is, we have to start with Jesus. There's a a name in theology for this called Christocentric theology. It means if we want to learn about God, which is what theology means, we start with Christ. One of Jesus' early disciples, Philip, once asked Jesus, Jesus, can you show us the Father? In Jesus' response in in John chapter 14, he says this to Philip, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? In other words, like, just look here and you'll see who God is. Right? Only in Jesus do we learn exactly what God is like. That's why the scriptures remind us to fix our eyes 
on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, right? That, that Jesus is not just a revelation of God, he is God. Now, we don't have the benefit, we don't get the benefit that Philip and the earliest disciples of Jesus had, the earliest followers of Jesus had, who were actually physically present with him. We don't get that benefit. When, when Jesus ascended to heaven, after his resurrection, he sent the Holy Spirit and he provided us with a, a new way to be with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, a new way to, to become like Jesus. I was having coffee with Jess this week, Jess Bickford, and we were talking, having a conversation about what, is it, what does it mean to become like Jesus? How do you go about becoming like Jesus? We had a wonderful conversation and we, our conclusion was that becoming like Jesus is multifaceted. Right? It involves us yielding to him. It involves the Holy Spirit helping us, relying on the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. It, it involves leaning into the local church. Right? God gave us the local church so we would have brothers and sisters to walk together with as we learn to become like Jesus and do what he did. But it starts, becoming like Jesus starts by first discovering and learning about who he is. And we primarily do that through the scriptures. Right? John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus was the word made flesh. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And through the scripture, we get the privilege of reading Jesus' teachings. Of reading about some of the things that Jesus did, some of the things that Jesus said. We see his interactions with his heavenly father. We see how he interacts with other people around him. We see the way he conducts himself, how he handles certain situations that he comes across, how he lived his day-to-day -day life. We, we look at his posture and his demeanor and his character. And, and these portraits of Jesus that we get in Scripture help us do this. They help us work toward a more accurate picture of who Jesus really is, right? Which is invaluable because we can't become like somebody who we don't know. We, we can't become like somebody if we don't know who they are, which leads me to this next point, that without the scriptures, you and I can run the risk of creating a Jesus in our own image. The French philosopher Voltaire said this, that, that God created us in his image, and we return the favor. <laughs> and what he meant by that was that you and I are prone to trying to make God look like us. Right? When, when we make Jesus into our own image, instead of the Jesus we, we find in the scriptures, we're unable to fully live into the life he's inviting us into. We're unable to become like him. And I want to illustrate for you this morning what I mean by this. I want to show you some portraits of Jesus. Now, I need to make an important qualifier here. The images that I'm going to show you of Jesus are not to poke fun at the artists who created them, right? And, and two, I'm not trying to be irreverent toward Jesus in any way. I'm going to show you some images of Jesus simply to, to make the point, to demonstrate, to illustrate for you how easy it is for us to make Jesus into what we want him to be. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that? By the way, this is probably why God commanded people not to make any images of himself. Because, because 
even our best attempt at capturing God in an image can, can limit and even diminish who he is, right? And his, his vastness, his greatness. So, so let's, let me put up some images. The first one we're going to look at is Professor Jesus, right? And, and in this image of Jesus, he, he, he's smart. We, we, he looks like a teacher, right? And Jesus was a teacher, wasn't he? I, I can tell you that I've had conversations with people Many people who are identified as agnostic and atheists, and, and whenever we talk about Jesus, they, they say this, I believe Jesus was a good moral teacher, Professor Jesus. He was a good moral teacher. The only problem with that is that good moral teachers don't also claim to be God. <laughs> right? If, if, if a good moral teacher claimed to be God, I would either think he would be a lunatic, right, or even worse, a liar. <laughs> but Jesus was more than a great moral teacher, right? He made claims to be divine. He made claims to be God. He said, I and the Father are one, right? So if, he, if, if he's making those claims, he, we have to trust that he is who he said he was. He's Lord, right? He's, he's, he's not a lunatic. He's not a liar. He's Lord. And he's more than just being a great moral teacher. Um, let's look at another image. This is warrior Jesus, is, let me ask you this question. Is Jesus a conqueror? Yes. Right? Jesus conquered sin and death. He conquered sin and death. But, but he's so much more than a conqueror, right? He's gentle. He's meek. He's compassionate. He's caring. He's kind. You see how like, our images of Jesus can kind of lock him in. We can make Jesus whoever we want him to be. We can create a Jesus made in our own image. How about the next one? This is... Party Jesus. Does Jesus enjoy himself? Well, in scriptures, we, we see that he did. We read the story in the Gospels about how Jesus went to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And in Jesus' day, weddings weren't three-hour events. They were days long. And you had a good time at those weddings. There was dancing and eating and feasting and celebration. And Jesus at this wedding turned water into wine. So yeah, Jesus knew how to have a good time, but guess what? He was also very serious sometimes. Next picture is what I call boyfriend Jesus. <laughs> is Jesus caring? Is he affectionate? Of course he is, right? We, uh, biblical stories that support that, but he's not boyfriend Jesus. <laughs> My favorite one is this next one here. I'm so disappointed in you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Now, we know that Jesus had emotions. He, he was saddened. Right? He wept when he showed up to Mary and Martha's house and, and they were having a funeral for Lazarus. He wept. We, he, there's one time when he says to his disciples, how much longer do I have to be with you? <laughs> disappointed in you, Jesus. But the problem is, the problem is, there's a lot of biblical evidence about Jesus believing in us, right? And I feel like a lot of Christians, when they think about Jesus, this is the Jesus they envision in their life. Jesus is just disappointed in me. No, that's not the full picture. How about this next one? Buddy Jesus, let me ask you this question. Is Jesus our friend? Yes, right? He says to disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Jesus is the friend of sinners, we're told, in Scripture. But he is also our king, right? He's, he's all these things. One image can't portray it all. 
This is probably one of my favorites too. This next one is Angry Yearbook Jesus. <laughs> and we, we have to recognize that Jesus also got angry. We read in the gospel account where merchants were set up in the temple and they were ripping people off and Jesus comes in and he's angry yearbook Jesus. <laughs> he flips the tables over. He says, hey, you, this is a house of prayer and you've made it into a den of thieves. And he, he rushes them out of the temple. Right? So there's all these aspects of Jesus. One more. This picture for you. This is hipster Jesus because he knew all the cool bands before you did. And that's true. Again, I don't, I don't want to show these pictures to be irreverent in any way. I, I, I want to show us how easy it is to make a God in our own image. Right? And the Gospels, the four Gospels that we have in Scripture, it's all of Scripture point to Jesus, but the four Gospels specifically completely dismantle our efforts to remake Jesus in our own image. That's why it's so invaluable to read the scriptures, to read about Jesus. And that's why we're going to take the next 10 Sundays to sit at these 10 tables with Jesus. We're going to walk through Luke's gospel from front to end and look at these tables. And the question you could ask is, why tables? Why, why are we looking at the tables he sat at? Well, because each table, as I mentioned, shows us something about who Jesus is. And you can learn a lot about a person by sharing a meal with them right? Uh, tables are great equalizers. When you sit down at a table, whether you are rich or poor, young or old, black or white, Republican or Democrat, male or female, we all depend on food for our nourishment and survival, right? No matter who you are. And when we sit together at a table with others, we share that commonality, our, our, our need for food. And, and all the distinctions, when you sit at a table with someone, all the distinctions that distance you disappear on, on, at a common meal. Eugene Peterson said it this way, that eating together has a wonderful way of obscuring, at least temporarily, our self-importance. Eating together obscures at least temporarily our self-importance, right? It doesn't matter who you are, what socioeconomic background you are. When you sit down to eat, you're, you're actually admitting your dependency, right? Even if you think you're not dependent on anything, you have everything you need. When you sit at a table, you're admitting your dependency on food, right? Which is why many of the conversations we have over meals hit different, don't they? Come on, you've been to your Thanksgiving family dinner. They hit different. <laughs> Something happens when we break bread together. It's, there's this place of vulnerability that we enter because we're all coming and admitting, yeah, we, we're in need. Which is probably why Jesus told his disciples to remember him after he was gone by coming to what? A table. Right? The Lord's table, the communion table, which Christians continue to observe all around the world. Why is that? Because when we come to a table, we're admitting our dependency, our common need for Jesus. And tables remind us of how hungry and dependent we really are. Likely the reason why Luke's gospel records 10 of these stories of Jesus eating at tables to demonstrate that we're completely and utterly dependent on Jesus. Another likely reason that Luke records 
these 10 stories of Jesus sharing meals with people is because eating is, is not only a necessary action that brings us together, but it's also an enjoyable one, right? Is there anything else that, that we do as frequently that combines necessity and joy? We eat all the time. We eat at least two to three times a day, right? For some of us like me, many more times than two or three times a day. And somehow, we keep looking forward to it. Right? It never gets monotonous, it never gets boring, it never gets old. We're looking forward to that next meal, even though we've done it thousands of times. And, and the scriptures are full of metaphors of, 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 that use eating as a way of talking about our joy and our appetite for God. Let me read a few for you. Psalm chapter 34, verse 8 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Psalm 63, verse 5, you satisfy me more than the richest feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. See, there, there's a reason the scriptures continually introduced the idea of tables. There's a reason why the gospel writers were fond of telling stories of Jesus at meals, because tables were one of their favorite settings for, for showing Jesus for who he really is, as, as Jesus reveals himself. And so we're going to dedicate the next 10 Sundays to sit with Jesus at these 10 tables in Luke's gospel. And here are the 10 tables that we're going to walk through. We'll start this next Sunday. Luke chapter 5, we read the story of, of Matthew, who was Jesus, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. If you remember, Matthew was a tax collector, which means he was hated by his own countrymen because the Jewish tax collectors were hired by Rome to collect taxes for Rome, and they were way overtaxed. And then the tax collectors made their living by skimming off the top. So, so Matthew and his tax collector friends were not well-liked that Jesus has a meal with them. What does that tell us about Jesus? We'll explore that. Luke chapter 7, Mary Magdalene uh, finds a table of grace and forgiveness. This is where Jesus is, is having a meal with some religious leaders, and Mary Magdalene, who was a woman with not a great reputation, comes in, and she cries at Jesus' feet and wipes her tears on his feet with her hair, and, and the religious leaders are thinking, oh, if Jesus knew what kind of person this was, he wouldn't allow this to happen, and if Jesus being God, of course, knew what they were thinking. And, and, he, and, and he says to them, no, she has it right and you have it wrong. She's understanding forgiveness and you have yet to understand that. So what does that tell us about Jesus, that story? Luke chapter 9, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. What does that tell us about Jesus? A lot in there in that story. In Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha have Jesus over for a meal and, and Martha's busy like preparing the meal, and she's upset her sister Mary, who's just kind of sitting and being with Jesus, and there's this whole interaction that takes place between Jesus and her, her, these two sisters. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is having a, a meal with some Pharisees, religious leaders, and, and um, they're all going through all the legal uh, practice, the civil law of preparing yourself for a meal and doing the certain washings, and Jesus says, yeah, but your heart's more important than your hygiene. And he has this amazing interaction um, with, with the Pharisees. Luke chapter 14, there's another passage about Jesus dining 
with the Pharisees. Luke 19, Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. And Zacchaeus responds to Jesus but through this amazing act of repentance and restitution. We'll learn a lot about Jesus from that passage. Luke 22, the Last Supper, this is the last meal that Jesus has with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And there's just a multitude of things we can learn about Jesus at that table. Luke 24, we find the resurrected Jesus. He reveals himself to two of his followers at a table in Emmaus. Amazing passage, amazing story. And then finally, in, at the back end of Luke 24, Jesus appears to, the, to his group of disciples and it just brings them encouragement. And so when we go to each one of these meals in Luke's gospel, each one of these tables that Jesus sits at, we're going to discover and learn a bit about who Jesus is. Because to become like Jesus, you have to start with how do we learn about who he is. And so I'm going to invite you during this series, start reading Luke's gospel with us. We've got 10 weeks. So pace yourself. Maybe if you don't pace yourself, you can read it two, three times. That's okay. But start reading Luke's gospel with us as we walk through um, this book. Can you do that with us? Can I pray for us? Why don't we stand up and we'll pray. Jesus, um, as we head into these 10 weeks where we approach these tables that you sat at, we pray you would open our eyes and heart that we could see who you really are. God, we don't want to make you in our own image. We want to be transformed into your image. And, and we can't do that on our own. We need, we need you, Jesus. We need to yield our lives to you. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the, the strength and the encouragement of the local church. But God, we, these next 10 weeks, we're, we're going to just sit at these tables, and we ask that you would meet us there. We know that you're already there waiting to meet with us. So, so give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is you're speaking and doing. Lord, I pray for all my friends as they begin to read Luke's gospel this week, that, that you would begin to reveal yourself through those words. And Lord, we're, we're going to do our very best to be attentive to you. Um, but Lord, we need your help with that. And so help us, Jesus, we pray. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's see. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.